Hey guys, Carly McCulloch here for another podcast with the Where Do We Begin boys, Harper and Lockie. If you want to know what I got up to during quarantine and during the Olympics, then listen in. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure that we welcome back a Where Do We Begin favourite. You know, we were lucky enough to talk to her pre-game. She's done a recent Instagram takeover. Carly McCulloch, how are we on this lovely, lovely evening? I'm very good. Thanks for having me back, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, yeah. Second episode, third take. I'm pumped for it. It should be great. <laughs> but it's uh, your last night in quarantine tonight, isn't it? How are you feeling? Yeah, really glad that it is the last night. Um, Howard Springs uh, staff have been really, really good looking after us, but 14 days of the same thing. It gets a little bit tedious. So uh, it's been since Easter since I've seen my boyfriend and a little bit longer since I've seen my family. So I'm really looking forward to going home and celebrating the Olympics um, with everybody. Yeah, so what, what have you been getting up to? Like, I know some people probably saw the Instagram to- takeover, but for those who didn't, what's uh-huh. been your kind of day-to-day quarantine life been like? So I've tried to keep a routine because if I didn't keep a routine, I think I would have gone a bit crazy. So uh, usually I do a workout with um, some of the some of my neighbours in the morning because we can go out on our veranda, um, followed usually by some brucky and then some uni, which is pr- in between doing uni, I procrastinate with a puzzle. Um, <laughs> so I've done three puzzles since I've been here. Uh, a bit of lunch, afternoon, sometimes a nap, sometimes just chilling out, watching some Netflix. And then the most exciting part of the day is 5.30 when our meals arrive. So um, always um, looking forward to getting food as an athlete. And then uh, actually I've been having some quite late nights. I haven't been um, going to bed, you know, at my normal 9.30, 10 o'clock. So I've been a little bit daring and going sort of towards midnight. So, you know, look out world. <laughs> um, and that's been about my days. So, um, yeah, but looking forward to going home tomorrow. Oh, that, sound, that sounds exciting. I tell you, I'm a little bit flat half. So I thought when she was about to say the most exciting part of her day was when she did the Instagram takeover. Yeah. I thought that's where she was leading. But, uh, no, right, that, was, that actually gave me a good, like that was uh, one of the best days because I actually had things that I like, was working towards. So, yeah, that was the highlight of my quarantine, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so entertaining. That's probably been the highlight of my last like two and a half weeks, even not in quarantine. It's been it so good to watch that and so good to watch all the takeovers, uh, really. But you mentioned Netflix. Netflix, what, what have been the go-to shows in your quarantine? Um, so I watched um, Little Fires Everywhere, I think it was, with Reese Witherspoon. That was excellent. Um, had a little bit of like racial kind of stories behind that, which is quite interesting. And then um, I've just started Jack Ryan, which is a book series that I really enjoy. So that's that TV show has been pretty exciting as well. Yeah, awesome. And I'm sure also you've had to adjust to not having your usual steak and rice for breakfast every morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been um just been like wheat beaks or granola. Like what is that? Like that's just too normal for me. <laughs> Jeez, not not enough protein in that wheat beaks. I'm sure you've been adding protein powder to it as well to make sure that you get the uh, the essentials in to your body to make sure that you can perform at optimal levels. Got to have those gains, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when you're out of quarantine, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. uh, what, what are the first things you're going to do? Steak and rice for breakfast tomorrow morning? What else? <laughs> salmon. Mm, yeah, steak and lunch. Yeah, salmon, 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 salmon yes. for lunch. Um, no, so um, I'm going to be getting picked up at the airport by my boyfriend and going home and actually having my first like Uber Eats meal. So I haven't actually decided it like changes. I go from like 
my standard udon soup to pasta to KFC. So I don't know what I'm going to have yet. I think it's just going to be decided <laughs> tomorrow night. Um, the One of the things that I am going to be doing over the next week, though, is I won a competition with Qantas mm-hmm. and I won a $5,000 travel voucher. So my what? boyfriend and I are going, yeah, we, we need to decide where we're going to go. $5,000 to spend, oh, though. I've got a suggestion, Harps. I've oh, got yeah, a suggestion. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there could be a better trip than a trip down to Melbourne to the Where Do We Begin Studios. <laughs> yes. I yeah, think that's I mean, where I would go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, I don't think I'm going to be able to go anywhere internationally, so it might be a trip around Australia to visit all my favourite people, including you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, we'd love that. But I'm not sure if you heard, you're probably not much of an AFL fan, but there's like a retiring coach uh, the other day, he just coached his last game, and he said he's going to have a year off and uh, travel around the world with his wife. So not sure if, if, if he's heard about the virus, a bit of a uh, <laughs> doesn't know that it exists yeah well i mean yeah. you know the funniest thing for us um aussies has been watching the rest of the world just go home to somewhat norm- normal lives so you know other countries have had parades and you know they're going on holidays meanwhile the aussie team are in howard springs and you know like it's been fine here but definitely the rest of the world seems to be moving on a little bit with with life and certainly they've got better vaccination rates so we just need to get our vaccination rates up here yeah i'm, I'm interested in that because obviously you would have been interacting with all these athletes around the world like have you discussed about how australia is still going into lockdown and all that because i was bet for them they'd be super surprised with how we are dealing with the virus and that well, they couldn't almost believe it <laughs> Mm. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. They were like, what are you going to do afterwards? And we've always been like, well, after our two weeks quarantine and, you know, for me, like going back to Sydney, like I'm going straight into a lockdown, like it's almost just like doing quarantine. So I think a lot of the rest of the world were a little bit like shocked maybe is probably the the best way to describe it. Um, But I mean, it's sort of one of those double-edged sword things. Like, obviously, it's a pretty serious thing. Like, people are actually dying from this virus, so we need to be making sure that we are being safe. Um, Definitely what I would say, though, is I think the Olympics is a really good example of how we can move on with life. Like, there was 10,000 athletes go to the Olympics plus probably another 10,000 staff, media, athletes, and there wasn't all that many cases of COVID. Like they were expecting somewhere in like the seven to 800 mark. And I think there was only around 100 in the end. Um, so it is very possible with all the measures that you put in place, like having, you know, regular tests, wearing masks, social distancing, that you can keep people safe. So hopefully that was an example of what the future could look like. Yeah, yeah. And I am interested though. I know we asked you this on our previous interview, but I'm curious to know if it's changed, you know, after having been at the Olympics and with Sydney going into the lockdown, what are your plans post the Games now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to take at least three to four months completely off like cycling or track cycling related things. So I'm going to keep fit. Um, I'm going to buy myself a new mountain bike, which is something that I absolutely love. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of gym, but not like super heavy lifting because what I've found is that if I do a little bit of gym, my back seems to be happy with that. Movement is medicine, as my physio would tell me. I used to think that when you have, you know, a sore back, you just do nothing and it'll get better. But actually, backs typically respond to doing exercise, <laughs> believe it or not. So um, I'm going to keep fit, but I haven't made any decisions on whether I'm going to continue with my career. Um, I've kept Birmingham sort of like, you know, here in the back of my mind as a, as a possibility. Um, 
but for the short term, I'm going to focus on my degree, keeping fit and just um, being normal for a little while. <laughs> yeah, as normal as you can be uh, in yeah. this COVID world, I guess, though. But uh, a bit of a funny thing that Lockie and I have been talking about on the podcast throughout the Olympics is the, the cardboard beds that they had in Tokyo. <laughs> so yeah. uh, t- tell us, uh, what, was your, what was your sleeping like? Was it comfortable on those cardboard beds? Well, I was one of the few athletes that didn't have to sleep on the cardboard beds because the Aussie track cyclists, and don't know how we managed this, but we secured our own hotel. So we had full run of this literally like, it was like five-star hotel to me. It was an amazing hotel. And it even had like its own onsens, which is just natural hot springs. We had a pool. We had like these like rooms that had like tatami mats and you could just go in and sit in there and like meditate if you wanted. So I had a proper bed. So it was wonderful. (laughs) So does that mean that you weren't actually, was that hotel in the village or was it outside of the village? Yeah. So it was outside of the village. Um, We were, the cycling venue was actually three hours out of Tokyo. So um, we, we, there was a sub site village, which is where the rest of the countries in track cycling stayed. Um, and we somehow managed to get this hotel and we were pretty lucky actually because the sub site, like it was okay, but apparently like it wasn't like very good, like up to scratch um, in terms of like food and just the living quarters weren't all that great. So um, we were lucky that we got the hotel. Also unlucky in some regards as well because we didn't get like to see the other athletes and like be immersed in that Olympic spirit. But I think going to the velodrome and being in the velodrome uh, and around the rest of the world, it just still made it feel like an Olympics. Yeah, that's really strange. So you were being in Izu, uh, I think. Was it down south? So you're just like Mm -hmm. surrounded by normal Japanese people, were you? Yeah, yeah. So we were just in this little hotel in this little town. Um, Izzy's a small, uh, like I wouldn't necessarily say it was like country, but it had like a rural feel to it. Like there was rice fields around our hotel and things like that. Um, And we got a little crowd as well because we weren't in Tokyo. So we had um, around a thousand people in the velodrome, which was awesome because obviously it was, I think the saddest things about these Olympics was seeing those empty crowds. so we actually had a little crowd, and so that was really nice to have some atmosphere in the Bellagio. Yeah, did Carly read read our run sheet? That was the next question. Half, <laughs> but yeah, sorry guys. Yeah, that's yeah. So Harper told me that today. It's incredible that you guys were one of the lucky ones to sort of, I guess, have a have a crowd. Did that that also, I guess, despite the fact that you weren't in the village, just also really add to the Olympic atmosphere. That at least you did have a few people that could watch on as you performed. Yeah, I think so. I think that. Like that's one of the special things about the Olympics is just having other people there to share that experience with you. And I think for me, what actually made me want to go to the Olympics wasn't actually, um, you know, necessarily to be an athlete. Like when I was 12 years old and my father took me and my father took me to the Olympics, the thing that hooked me to the Olympics was when we walked out of the stadium and he put me on his shoulders, I was 12 years old and I couldn't see the ground it was just a sea of heads and there was this like energy amongst the people that like is the closest thing that I could say was the Olympic spirit and that is what I just wanted to chase like and forever forever onwards like right until the day I die like if I can go to every Olympics and be a volunteer or a coach or an athlete like I just want to be a part of it and I had a deja vu moment in London when I did make my first Olympics as an athlete and 
I was walking over a bridge to get to the Olympic Stadium to go and watch Usain Bolt run the 100-metre final. And as I got to the top of the, the, the bridge and I could see down over, it was just a sea of heads again. And it was the exact same feeling in the crowd that was there in Sydney 2000. And whilst I didn't maybe get that exactly in Tokyo, what I did get in Tokyo was the same energy and vibe from the volunteers and the people who basically run the Olympics. Like these volunteers who stood outside in the 33-degree heat in the humidity just like waving at us and just so happy for us to be there. Like that was the Olympic spirit and, and just it was just so special. Oh, Japanese people, like just to kind of stereotype a bit, a bit of a positive stereotype. They're so friendly, aren't they? It's so good. Yeah, they're so friendly. And they just they just wanted to make everything easier for us. Like if we if we even had like a carry, like a side bag, they were like, Can they help us with that? And you know, they were just so friendly and you know, they bow to you all the time and they gave us little gifts at the hotel. They even put on a little um geisha show for us, which is apparently like a really big deal in Japan. Like if you get a geisha show, like you're pretty special. So yeah, we definitely felt pretty special. <laughs> oh yeah, you're pretty special to us, Carly. Great friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> what were some of Are the you gifts? guys going to dance for me then, like geishas? <laughs> Trust me, you what, don't what want that. What were some of the gifts you got? <laughs> Sorry. What were some of the gifts you got? So some of the gifts we got. Um, the hotel that we stayed at, they have a mascot for the hotel, and the mascot is actually um, a train. And it's like a, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a cartoon train. And so we got a little toy and it was a, it was a, um, the mascot. And we got, um, heaps of other things that were like, like about the hotel as well, like pens and folders. Like they really like those little nicky knack things, the Japanese people. So, um, there was, there was that. And then there was obviously everything that you get just as being an Olympian. Like I got a phone and earphones and what else did I get? Like, just so many things and you just feel like it was it's actually quite overwhelming like it's so nice the amount of things that we get <laughs> i'll tell you what though halves if we uh, see on ebay australian cyclists tra- track stuff <laughs> <we'll> know. <laughs> you know where it's come from <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah bit, bit of a naive question here because like i'm no track cycling expert maybe this is in every velodrome but i noticed that particularly in this izu velodrome so mm-hmm. It's like surrounded by the velodrome, there's this big kind of circle where I, like all the physios are or I guess the coaches are uh-huh. and like everyone, everyone's in there really before and after their race. So what, what kind of shenanigans go on in that little circle <laughs> surrounded by the velodrome, the track? Yeah, so we call that area the pit area and every country has their own little section and obviously because of COVID it was even like even more sectioned off because um, we had like big perspex screens in between all of the the countries. So not too much shenanigans in terms of like maybe like crap talking each other, which sometimes (laughs) happens when you get, for example, the the Kiwis next to us, you know, there's often a little bit of banter between, between the countries. Um, But I guess, uh, I mean, there's not too much shenanigans that go on. It's just, it is an intense place to be because especially on the first couple of days of competition because all the team events happen on the first day so sometimes you have you know the full team of every country in there and so there's you know three or four hundred people in that little space and then for the olympics it's even more small because they have that that big media zone near where the podium is and that's the media take up literally like a third of the the space because there's, there's always so much media within olympics so um it's just a lot going on in in the pit areas of an Olympics, even a World Championships or any event. And it's just a lot of people 
and and just yeah it's just a sensory overload a lot of the time yeah yeah no, well we love talking about all things olympics the olympic spirit and what goes on in the pit you're also there obviously i guess to um perform your sport and I'd like to know a little bit about what your thoughts were on the um, the track cycling performance as a whole because I know mm-hmm. I think I'm quite naive in this, but I think that the delayed Olympics really hampered you because I know Super 2019 world mm-hmm. champs and I think mm-hmm. the team as a whole um, were just building really nicely in 2020 and then unfortunately the delayed Olympics, you know, obviously you lost um, your partner Steph, but I think I think it was just really unfortunate the timing of the delayed Olympics. Is that a contributing factor that you think for probably what was overall a disappointing campaign for the team? Yeah, so I think um, it was very obvious a lot of teams really struggled with the delay and a lot of teams really thrived off the delay. For example, um, the Canadian sprint team, like they just really like benefited from another year because their athletes were talent transfer athletes. So another year on the bike gave them a huge advantage. Um, For us as the Australian truck cycling team, for me in particular, the, the delay was a blessing in disguise as I had time to rehabilitate my injury. But like, yeah, as you said, I, I lost Steph as my teammate. I had to change event focus and it just was, to be quite frank, a bit of a debacle. <laughs> like to get, to get back to the level that I got to, I'm really proud of because there was a lot of moments even as close as three months before that I wasn't even sure if I was going to be competitive. So I'm really proud of myself that I got myself back to the form that I, that I needed to be competitive. I wasn't quite fast enough to contest for medals, which is obviously disappointing, but I achieved everything in my strategy and in my plan. So you have to be able to walk away and, and be able to go, well, what was success? And success was that I did everything that I needed to do on my plan. Um, for the rest of the team, everybody had high expectations. We, we, I mean, the thing is everybody goes to the Olympics to win, right? So when you do lose, it's like, it's hard. And, you, you, and especially this time around, you work five years and when, you, when you're a little bit off the pace and you didn't quite meet your expectations, it, it is quite heartbreaking. So I know the rest of the team um, were quite disappointed. But, again, talking about how do you measure success, like every single person in our team actually wrote an Australian record and, you know, did actually perform the best that they possibly could perform. It's just that the rest of the world were better. And so it's up to us to now walk away and go, well, how, how do we try and be those who are better than everybody else next time, which is the beauty and the beast of Olympic sport. Like it is hard work and winning a medal is really, really hard. Yeah. And kind of not just for this Olympics, but for both Olympics you've been to, because you've probably got like hundreds of people messaging you like, good luck, go well, uh, super excited to watch you, all that kind of thing. Do you feel that that uh, it's not like they're not deliberately putting pressure on you, but does that add pressure to you? And you're like, geez, if I, if I don't win, I'm let, letting everyone down. Do you feel that at all? Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I think I felt that a little bit more when I was younger. Um, I think more now I feel like it's that kind of thing's actually a privilege and I feel like I can have an impact on people more than just winning a medal. When you win a medal, it like it's obviously the icing on the, on the cake, and you can really share that medal with the, the rest of your your support team, whether it's you know my family, you guys, or the fourteen year old girl who I sent a birthday wish today. You know who who I've only met a couple of times. So um, there is a little bit of pressure, and people want you to do well as well. And I, I had a couple of conversations with some people who I who have become quite close with 
in the lead into the Olympics who, you know, they they said to me, are you going to retire? Because I don't think I can handle this anymore. <laughs> you know, they're, they're stressed for me. So, um, you know, people, I feel really felt a lot of love from people for this, for this Olympics and that a lot of people are on my side. And, and as I said, I would have loved to have been able to come home with a medal, but I think and I hope that part of my journey I can I can show people that it's not just about winning and that, again, talking about this, you know, what does success actually look like? Well, for me at this Olympics, ninth place in the Kieran was the best that I could do and I'm super proud of that. Oh, yeah, you should be there. Awesome performance even to be there because, yeah, it was an amazing story as we spoke about in the last episode to even get there. And you spoke about in the last episode as well, your relationship with Anna Mears. She was on commentary for all your events. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you guys talk about that at all? Yeah, we did actually. It was quite funny. So, um, you know, we had a few messages back and forth when I'd finished um, competing each day. And, um, you know, she was super proud of me as well, which is which is exciting. She said there was one thing that I did that she, she stuffed up her commentary. It was my very last race actually against a Chinese girl. And I had discussed with my coach that I was going to do something a little bit um, probably that wouldn't have helped me too much in terms of my racing style. I race better from the front. And apparently Anna was like, hey, great, Carly's drawn first. She's going to stay on the front. She's going to try and hold Zhong up. And then and halfway into the race, I just went straight to the fence and gave the front to the Chinese girl. And Anna was like, I don't know why she's doing that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> she said she felt like she was a bit, like, looked like a bit of a fool. But I said to her, oh, no, this is my tactic. And we had a bit of a giggle about it. Um, but, yeah, it was great to have Anna on commentary and to have those messages with her and, and to have her compliments for the way that I raced as well was really good. Yeah, I think having, like, expert commentators like Anna really added to the um, added to the experience for me as obviously Harper and I aren't track style because by having the people that know the sport so well, it, it made us feel mm-hmm. like we somewhat understood the tactics behind <laughs> You knew what I was doing when I swung up to the fence? Yeah, it is, <laughs> it's interesting. Some conversations I've had with some people the last two weeks, they're just like, we have no idea what was going on, but it looked good and, you know, well done. <laughs> yeah, there were some amazing ones. I was watching some of the track cycling uh, with my sister on the couch and because, uh, of course, I'm an expert because I've spoken to a track cyclist once. <laughs> yeah. she, she was asking, like, why are these people, like, this, a couple of times, I think it was the men, they were literally going at a snail's pace to start. Yeah. It was crazy. Like, yeah. is that an, a regular thing? In the sprint, um, it's quite like tactical because obviously with cycling, if you if you're riding in front, you're breaking the wind, so it's it's like quite a lot more effort than the person behind. I think the person behind gets like some advantage of like uh, I don't know, like forty percent less like power output. So that's actually quite a significant advantage. Um, so the first laps of a sprint are really tactical in that if there was someone like me on the front who has a short sprint, I'm trying to hold the race up and really stall the person at the back. I don't want them to be following in my slipstream, getting an advantage. If there was someone like my teammate, Stephanie, who has a really big engine, she can go for a long sprint. She's always trying to go faster. And so then I would sort of get onto her wheel if I was second and, you know, try and, and save my energy and come around at the end. So it is very tactical. And I often get the question from people, why don't you just go hard from the start? <laughs> And I try, it would be like 
and you like asking you same bolt to do his same 100 meter pace for a 400 meter like there's just no <laughs> way he'd get to the end with yeah. you know at the same pace so um yeah it is confusing for people but that's the beauty of the sprint it's so tactical yeah yeah and i guess and during the olympics this is something that i'm really interested is do you watch all the other events i obviously i guess in previous years like you spoke about that you try and obviously i think you went to usain bolt in 2012 mm-hmm. so you normally you try and attend and i don't think you'd ha- be able to do that this year but you still pay attention to all the other aussies and try and watch as much of the olympics as you can it was so interesting this olympics because like as i said i try to get to sports after i compete because I was in the second week of competition and, and we finished on the last day of competition um, for the whole Olympics this time around, my roommate Ashley and Kudanoff and I, we had the TV going in our room, my laptop and her laptop, and we had three different sports on at the same time watching as many Aussies as we could. So I've never watched as much sport as what I have this Olympics. And some days I actually had to turn it off because I got too excited and, you know, I had to try and recover from myself. Like I didn't want to be getting too amped up. So, um, yeah, I watched so much sport this time around. It was fantastic. I really think it was a good Olympics this time around. I think it brought a lot of joy to a lot of people, this one. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It's probably been my favourite, I think, Olympics that I've watched recently. I think, you know, obviously it was awesome Australia performing so well. And I'm interested, what was your favourite event apart from the track cycling to watch? <laughs> I really love the weightlifting. And I think I think I like the weightlifting because I do a lot of weights myself. But one of the highlights for me was watching the Philippines girl. I think she was in like maybe the 63-kilo mm. category. She was the first ever Philippines gold medalist. And her celebration and her coaches, I was just like, wow, that's so fantastic. I definitely, yeah, would have loved to have been there watching the weightlifting and being in the stadium for that for that moment, for that girl. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm assuming you watched the men's team pursuit in the track cycling. And I've got to ask you, have your handlebars ever fallen off the bike? <laughs> no, they haven't, thankfully. Um, things like that don't happen often. And it's so unfortunate that it happened at the Olympics. It does happen. You know, we do ride like things, like mechan- like there's mechanical things and errors happen. I've seen tyres blow out. Um, you know, I've seen someone like snap a pair of handlebars in half. Like that stuff does happen. It's just was so unfortunate that it happened at the Olympics. And luckily Alex, who's actually my neighbour just behind me, he's he's all recovered now. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of a weird thing to say, but that crash that he had, um, it's kind of the sort of crash that you want to have because you don't know it's coming, so you can't mentally prepare for it. Some crashes I've had, you know, you see it happening in front of you and you just know you're about to, you know, eat the dirt essentially. So, <laughs> um, you know, he he was lucky and unlucky. He They were lucky that it happened at the back of the race and not at the front of the race. Um, that whole men's team pursuit competition for me after the um, the female weightlifter from philippines that was the most exciting thing for me to watch it was just unbelievable the things that went on in that event so who, who are we going to blame for the handlebars falling off are we blaming the people <laughs> in the factory who are we blaming yeah so i don't know there's there is an investigation it's pretty serious there's an investigation going into it because obviously like a lot of money goes into to those bikes that that full race setup that i raced on was something like thirty five thousand dollars. so you can't not take that sort of failure seriously. So um, there's a big, there is an investigation going into it. We know that it wasn't the bike. It was actually a component um, and that they're often the weakest parts on the bike because obviously like the frame's pretty strong, um, but the componentry was the thing that failed. So there's an investigation going on into that. Okay. Okay. And 
I guess going past the investigations now. <laughs> so what were, I guess we've already sort of discussed your highlights of the game. So it was mm-hmm. the weightlifting. Do you have any other? Was there any other highlights? Was it the closing ceremony? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, what did, what was your highlight? That the memory that you'll be remembering until you're eighty or ninety years old. <laughs> oh well, I can't go past just my own. Um, I guess achievements. I think for me. Um, yeah, there was a moment there where I was walking up onto the track and you can see, obviously, there's like Olympic rings everywhere, but I could see the Olympic rings on the on the duck board, just the memory of clipping in, seeing my, my tattoo through my suit, like that, those sorts of things, like that, that was a highlight for me. It was special for me to be at those Olympics just from everything that I went through. Yeah, is, is that tattoo, is that like a thing across all countries? Because I've noticed like every single Australian Everyone has an Olympic tattoo. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty common thing. I, I wouldn't, you won't see many Olympians who don't have it. What's becoming more common now is actually jewellery. So um, I actually have a ring as well and my ring actually has um, my my bike from London is actually, I don't know how to explain it, but it's basically like a little 3d printed model and on top my rings go over the top and Anna and I have matching rings so the rings and the necklaces are are becoming really common but the tattoo I think um you know actually I wanted to get this tattoo after London but I got it last year during the lockdown because we we were unsure whether the Olympics were going to go ahead and you know I didn't know if I was going to go to another Olympics so I was like stuff it I'm getting the rings I am an Olympian I'm gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, like, coming to the end of the Olympics, I know you were probably there at the time. Did you go to the closing ceremony? No, we weren't allowed. We, well, we weren't able to go. We were allowed to go. But what ended up happening, because we were three hours out of the village, we had to get on our bus at 5 a.m. of the day of the closing ceremony, and we still had teammates competing. So it didn't sit well with us as a team to leave our teammates behind. So what we did as an Australian track cycling team was we all got dressed up in the, our uniform and the hotel put on the geisha show, and the hotel actually had a karaoke room. And I'm pretty embarrassed to say that I did do quite a lot of karaoke on the closing ceremony. <laughs> what was the song? What was the go-to song for you, Colin? Um, well, I would. I don't know if it was the go-to song, but the song that myself and Annette Edmondson, um, I, I want to say, did a really good job of, but we really butchered it. Was um, Ed Sheeran's "Bad Habits"? So <laughs> that wasn't the best song, probably, to sing. The, the songs that were the best songs were the classics, of course. So. Um, yeah, the whole team got into the classics. There was four microphones. Everyone was dancing. There was wigs and everything that came out. So that was really quite fun. Yeah. Now, moving from the closing ceremony of the Olympics to the traditional closing ceremony of the Where Do We Begin podcast, we, of <laughs> yeah. course, we have got the quiz. And we're mixing it up a bit today. Mr. Lockie Gibbs is hosting the quiz. Uh, Lockie, do you want to take it away? Yep. So uh, I botched the intro. I'm looking forward to botching the quiz too. <laughs> All right, let's just, let's just get into it. <laughs> <laughs> swap of swap of roles today, Harp. So I don't know. He's finally entrusting me with the uh, the big jobs, but uh, okay. let's, let's see how they go. So, Carly, so you remember your na- your name's the buzzer, Harper. Mm-hmm. I'll remind you as well. This is your first time on the quiz, so I'm actually I'm keen to see how you go. It's it's all Olympics based. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, so I reckon we just uh, we just crack into it. Uh, okay, play play music. Nervous, but- 
Let's go. Uh, well, actually, Lockie, I don't have the music because on this new program, I can't play the music. I'll do a little uh, little thing of it. It's like... I, I know that harp. I know that harp. Something like that. Very good. All right, so question one, and I love to challenge myself, actually, and I'll, I'll challenge myself with this pronunciation. So American sprinter Shikari Richardson, who actually had the fastest qualifying time at the Olympic at the Olympic trials, was unable to compete at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics in the 100-meter sprint. Why was that? Harper. I'll have to. I'm going to have to give it to Harper as much as it hurts me. Harps? <laughs> I believe, there was a delay, uh, definitely. <laughs> I believe uh, she had a bit of the old uh, sweet Mary Jane in her system, Lockie. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is correct. Tick. Great, great stuff, stuff, Harper. Carly, maybe just a little bit quicker next time. I'm going to have to say my name early, I think. <laughs> Lockie, do you want to give us a bit of a correct uh, sound effect? Yeah, I already got tick. There okay, we go. Tick. There we go. Very nice. Harper is 1-0 up over Carly, but you know okay. what? I'm backing Carly in on the next question. So I'm going to give you a list of four countries and you're going to have to tell me which one was not in the top 10 for the overall Olympic medal tally. The countries are the Netherlands, Spain, Germany, and Italy. Carly. Yeah. I'm going to say Netherlands. Uh, That is incorrect. (sighs) Harper. Uh, I believe the sound effect for that one goes something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I reckon, geez, oh, I'm going to go with Spain. Harper is absolutely correct. <laughs> Netherlands, Netherlands were actually seventh. Spain okay. went all the way down at they, 22. Netherlands are pretty good at the track cycling as well and the road yeah, cycling. Yeah, I know. I should have remembered that. that. They won a fair few gold. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, a bit embarrassing well, for me if I didn't get that because I did bloody <laughs> podcasts every single day talking about it. Uh, Carly, was, Carly was at the Olympics, but obviously she didn't look at the uh, – She Clearly. didn't go down to the minnows. She, she didn't worry about the bottom 21s. Or, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> All right, so we've got a next question. We've got a closest to the pin. I don't know why it's closest to the pin as it's not an outrageously large number, but you know what? You don't mess with the quiz master. I'm gunning for <laughs> half his spot, and I reckon I might have it after this, so – Emma McEwen, <laughs> awesome, awesome Olympics. But how many medals overall has she got in her career? Uh, Harper. Yeah, I believe it is eleven medals. Did you all get the answers before half? You're absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys put this together together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he's doing the hosting, but I actually wrote all the questions up. That's how we've done it. Uh, uh, Lockie, next question. I, re- I reckon I might be uh, might be out of a job soon. I'll tell you what, halves. But look, I'm, ba- I'm backing Carly in here as you, as this question is actually worth four points. Ooh. So this this could be a big one. So first up, so. I want the youngest Olympian and their sport and the oldest Olympian and their sport. Harper. Yeah. Uh, can I just say one for now and then I'll <laughs> throw it over to Carly? Got to give her a shot. I'll just say the youngest one was uh, uh, this table tennis player from Syria. Uh, no, sorry, from Australia. Old. Sorry, I should clarify. Oh, from Australia. From, from Australia. Oh, from Australia. Geez, I've, I've got no idea. <laughs> Carly, All right, Carly, I'll go. go. Um, I'm, do we have to say names? I reckon it was our skateboarder. Was the youngest a skateboarder? Bow, bow. Oh, no. Okay, well, that was uh, Harper. 
Yeah, go, or, go. Can I go? Or, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to say the oldest. Oh, no. I was going to say the table tennis player, Jian Fung Lei, but she wasn't the oldest. I reckon. I'm just going to take it's a from punt. Australia. From Australia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She is from Australia. Um, oh, yeah. But, oh, Jesus. I had her name. I've forgotten it. Uh, it's an equestrian, like show jumper or whatever you call it, equestrian rider, a woman. I've given Carly a clue. I'll just let Carly answer it because I've got no idea. Well, I don't know. I thought it might have been Andrew Hoy. Bum, nah. bum. Oh, no. I think that's where do we begin history? Twice wrong on the same question. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you both give up? Uh, yeah. I'll just have a guess. Um, make myself look like an idiot. I'll say Betty Betty Wilson was the equestrian rider. No, it wasn't. It was it was dressage. I don't know whether I'll pay equestrian, but you know I'm going to be harsh on you, Harps, because you're so far in front. Yeah. So I uh, I think I'll go at the answers as you both are struggling. So the oldest was Mary Hannah. I think she was 66. I actually didn't write that down. That's just from memory, and she competes in the dressage. And the youngest was actually Molly O'Callaghan in the swimming. Oh, really? And she actually goes home oh. with the gold. Really? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cool. So I think cool. you're thinking you're thinking of the skateboarder Keegan Palmer, and he's 18, so he just has uh, Molly beaten. Okay, okay. So no, no points there, and we'll go to we'll go to the last we'll go to the okay. last one, and this is which is worth, worth one. five points. Yeah, well, you know, well this this one because it's such a bad question, I'll make it <laughs> nah, just just worth the one. So this is okay. this is a bit different. I'm going to give you the answer, and you got to work out the question from there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the answer is. Going to 7-Eleven to get some beers. Oh, Harper. Harley? Harper. Oh. Was that me? Yeah, it was Harper. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it was the men's hockey team after they <laughs> lost their gold medal match to uh, Belgium. They uh, yeah wanted to do Dan Andrews and get on the beers but broke the rules. You have to frame it as a question, Harps. I do remind you oh. that's not a question. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, what did the... Men's hockey team from Australia <laughs> get in trouble for. Yeah, I'll pay it. I, I did say reprimanded for, but you know what, Harper? <laughs> big, big tick. Harper is absolutely yeah, dominated today with a 4 0 win. <laughs> bloody, yeah, bloody I probably really should go. have let the guests get a few right. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell right. you what, I reckon, I reckon we might have to get a couple of the timestamps. I reckon I might have paid you first when Carly could have, it was not neck and neck. I was probably fa- a bit too favourable for you, but I'll improve that on the next time I have it. Well played, Carly. Better played, Harper. Yeah, well Thank done, you. Harper. And I can make sure I, it sounded like I was first in all the editing. I'll fix that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's about it. Uh, Lockie's done the quiz. Bit, bit of a weird one. Not sure how to outro this. We haven't got an outro at the end, so I'll just say uh, thanks for, very much for coming on, Carly. Uh, great to have you on again. Absolute pleasure. No, thank you, guys, and thanks to all the, the fans out there of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed um, these interviews and my takeover, and um, I look forward to the next time you guys have me on. Yeah, Getting uh, a bit ahead of yourself there, Carly. I don't know. We'll have you on any time. We'll have you on any time. We can have you. Thank you so much. No yeah, worries. We, we only you. have people who can get a point in the quiz. But uh, thanks very much for, <laughs> for everybody who listened. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next one.